0: the characteristics of a priest a priest is supposed to be on the fire praise God so I'm gonna read a bit of the scriptures this morning Romans chapter 12 let's start from there on the fire. can you help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor you are to be on the fire Romans chapter, two, chapter 12 I read verse 1 and 2 of Romans chapter 12 it says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice only acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, we said that a priest has a service to render before God, and a priest brings uh, gifts and sacrifices before God. But in the New Testament, the writer of the book of Romans said, we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices. In the Old Testament, the priest presented dead sacrifices, animals that is slaughtered and then present before God. But in the New Testament, we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Somebody say, living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Look at your neighbor for me and tell your neighbor, you are a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Praise God. So he said, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service as a priest. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, I'll read from verse 12 down to 20. A bit, bit of a long reading. Uh, uh, the kind of messages we're preaching right now, you can't preach it without reading through the scriptures a bit extensively so that you won't think that we're making up some of the things we're saying. First Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not e- helpful all things are lawful for me but i will not be brought under the power of any i don't want to get under bonded to anything Verse certain food for the stomach and stomach for food uh, um, he said uh, food for the stomach and stomach for food but yeah it's a bit hidden on my screen but god will destroy uh, uh, uh both both of them and he said now now go back now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Again, he's saying my body is for God, and God is also for my body. And God had raised up. Uh, no, you're, you're doing you're doing something wrong here. Verse fourteen. That's where I am. Please just stay with me. And God both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up by also uh, rise up by His power. Uh, verse fifteen. It says, Do you not know that the bodies are members of Christ? We're getting there gradually. The bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take a member of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Verse 17. And he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit, not one body, one spirit. Because God is a spirit. One spirit with him. Flee, sexual immorality, every sin. Somebody say every sin. Say it's against every sin. <laughs> say it says every, every, every sin that a man does outside of the body. I mean, everything uh, that a man does is outside of the body, but He who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know, verse 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, which is your body, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Bought at a price. A price was paid for my life and for my body therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's the one who paid for them, who sent his son and made the payment he said glorify God honor God with your body honor God with your body because it belongs to him Christ paid the price for our body so my life my body is not mine the price was paid and you have to honor the one who paid that price that's what the scripture says you have to honor the one who paid that price. So like I said before, there are protocols of the priesthood. In the Old Testament, a priest will wear, for instance, specific garments, which is called the priesthood garment. The priesthood garment. That's what the priest will wear. That were untainted and were supposed to be undefiled in any way. So in the, the Old Testament shows how deliberate priests were to be about their appearance before God and their appearance before men and how they approach their duties of service before God. In the New Testament, we carry God in us. And we carry him everywhere we go. That's what happens in the New Testament. Christ paid the price. It was the ultimate sacrifice. The great high priest was ascended into the heavens and who paid the price once and for all. So now we don't have to like, you know, every day or every other day like in the Old Testament and once in a year the high priest will go into the the most holy place, they call it the Holy of Holies, and make sacrifice on behalf of himself and all the people. The picture uh, can be very jarring. So this is what the picture looks like. I don't have it on the screen, I'm going to describe it. The, the, The high priest, when he's going to make that one sacrifice annually, on behalf of the people and himself, must be very deliberate about the state of his conscience and the state of his body. So there are certain things that he had to do to make sure that he is acceptable before God. So, and because it's only the high priest that is allowed to enter the most holy place, they will put a chain around his right leg. And as the high priest is going in, they hear from outside that he's still alive. Because if you come into the God's presence with any impurity, you fall dead. And so nobody can enter. They have to be able to pull the high priest out. And there are many high priests who died like that. And they pulled them out. That's why the chain has to be there. The garment of the high priest has to be precise according. I don't have time this morning. You can read it. Leviticus, you know, and all that. Show me, you read about uh, the priesthood garment and all. Yeah, that's your assignment for this week. <laughs> yeah, read about the priesthood garment. The intricacies of the priesthood garment, the different things that has to be on it, and the, each of them have particular meaning. And Christ, when he hung on the cross, it paid for all that. And if the blood of bulls and animals it can remit sin. How come the blood of the sinless son of God will not do much more for us? Yeah. So, the high priest goes in, offers the sacrifice. If it was acceptable before God, the sacrifice was acceptable. And it will be able to walk out. And when the high priest is coming out and they are hearing the sound of the chain, everybody is happy. It means that for the next calendar year, we are good with God, except we, we, have done, we, <laughs> we decided to do something crazy again. Yeah. We're good with God, and then the high priest is celebrated as it comes out. In the New Testament, like I said, Christ is a high priest, and we are all priests. And we are to be able to offer sacrifices uh, before him from time to time. And the first sacrifice that, is, that we need to pay attention to is our body. Our body and our consciences that is undefiled, undefiled undefiled so grace does not nullify the need to be mindful of how we approach our father yeah in the New Testament we're under grace and grace speaks to latitude grace speaks to freedom of expression grace you know speaks to many things but it does not nullify our mindfulness of how we approach our father today. We still have certain protocol. It's just like it's not like the Old Testament protocol. We still have some protocol. Priests have to appear a certain way, but not primarily by our outward appearance, but our heart. Our outward appearance is not as important as it was in the Old Testament, but it's still important. It's still important. Paul said right there in First Corinthians six: "said Things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful." All things are expedient. I mean, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the bondage of any. I will not be brought under the power of any. So today, as a Christian, as a Christian man, as a Christian woman, we still need to be mindful of our physical appearance so we know we don't misrepresent God. I'm not dwelling on that this morning. But our heart is what is most important to God. But if I may just say something about that, is that you know in, in our world today they say simply that the way you address is the way you'll be addressed yeah if you don't want to be treated address like a harlot don't dress like one am I saying the truth yeah, don't dress like one if you're not if you don't want to be treated like a ham robber don't dress like one yeah I hope you understand what I'm saying it's very simple so that the message of Christ and the life of Christ that you are supposed to live will not be misunderstood. Yeah. And for great fashion, we should look good. Yeah? We should look good. Uh, but looking good does not mean I should expose my butt. Are we still together? Yes, yeah? Looking good does not mean that whatever is private should remain public. If something's supposed to be private, it's private. Exactly. Yeah. And God enjoys privacy. Yes. Yeah. That's why he said you should come into the Holy of Holies. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the things that belong to the Holy of Holies must not come to the outer court. Yes. Are you sitting with me this morning? Yes. Yeah, there are some things that are meant for the most holy place. We must not expose them at the outer court. <laughs> God will give you understanding. Yes. Praise God. Yeah. So I don't want to be distracted from my message this morning. I just wish to mention to somebody that there's decency. Yeah. In the kingdom. And we must embrace decency from time to time. Yeah. We must embrace decency. We have grace. But grace does not nullify the need for decency. Yeah. That I look decent and presentable from time to time because I represent God. Yeah. I represent God. Must be decent presentable yeah you know as much as uh, you know bad looks looks that make somebody look like somebody who has not had a bath for five days you know smelling look dirty clothing is the extreme to the left the extreme to the right is that I look good I smell good but I'm indecently decently dressed yeah the church is quiet praise god i said praise god so it's very important to just get there briefly on another occasion i will prepare for you better and we will look into it in more details as god you know permits me praise god (laughs) priests are to be holy so this morning we're looking at the intricacies of holiness the remaining time that i have look at the intricacies of holiness priests are to be holy we said our holiness is not just about our outward appearance. The outward appearance was once overemphasized to the point that people look like heavenly beings that want to live on earth. And it wasn't working. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But now we know better that we need to be presentable to be decent, but our heart is actually what God is looking at. So don't confuse holiness with morality. Let's start from there. Morality is about what you can do. Holiness is a reflection of who you are. We're talking about how a priest should present himself or herself. A priest should be undefiled. And from the word undefiled, we're breaking it down a little bit more. A little bit more. I'm going to talk about the imperatives of holiness. But before I get there, before I get there, I need for us to understand that I'm not talking about morality. I'm not talking about morality. In 1st Corinthians chapter 6, that we read, uh, the Bible says in verse 19 and 20, there it said our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit or the temple of God, which he bought with a price. When we talk about holiness, we're not talking morality, is a show of my will to just be good. Holiness is a sense of who I am. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. A sense of who I am and a sense of who God wants me to be. So don't confuse holiness with morality. Morality is about what you can do. Holiness is a reflection of who you are. It's a reflection of who you are. You must be holy as your God is holy. First Peter 1 and verse 6. Holy as the Lord is holy. We we have reduced holiness to morality. Uh, holiness is to be like God. The Bible says, in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. After our likeness. And let him have dominion. One of the ways God created us in his likeness, like I've shared before, is that, for instance, God is creative. He wants us to be creative. God is powerful. He wants us to be powerful. God is also holy. He wants us to be holy. That's how we are like him. So we're not just trying to be nice. We're not just trying to be good. We want to be like our God. Is somebody still following me today? Yeah. We're not trying to be good. We're trying to be who we are. Because we are created in his image and in his likeness. One of the attributes of God is that he is holy. So if I want to be like my father, that's just who I am. I'm a holy person. A holy nation, a royal priesthood. You know where we started from last Sunday. A holy nation, a royal priesthood it is possible to be moral and not be holy yeah it's possible to be moral and not be holy because morality is just ticking the box some of the box I don't do this I don't do that you know I don't subscribe to this. holiness is I want to be like my father Yeah. be holy even as I your God is holy morality is just a costume It speaks to what you can do and how you can appear. Holiness is how God has made me. So holiness emphasizes your identity as the temple of God. Identity as the temple of God. I think it's Isaiah 64 and verse number 6. Isaiah 64 and verse number 6. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags before God. Say, so, but we are all like unclean things, and all our righteousness, our own righteousness, are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquity like the wind. But our righteousness is like filthy rags before God because our man's righteousness cannot match up to god god wants us to want to be like him not that we try to do our own thing morality is good but it's not enough for a child of god that is not who we are we are a holy nation and a royal priesthood a holy nation and a royal priesthood. holiness emphasizes your identity as the temple the temple the temple of god let's break it out a little more the imperatives of holiness one, I'm going to talk about three imperatives of holiness. The first one is purity. The first one is purity. To be pure means to be undefiled, untainted, unadulterated. Yeah, that's what it means to be pure. I'm not mixing anything. You know, when you adulterate fuel, for instance, that means you mix maybe diesel with uh, uh with petrol, or, or, or maybe with something else, then you said this is adulterated. It, it's not in this pure state. So purity entails actively keeping yourself from contaminants of the world. Actively, actively. You and I know that the way our world is configured is with contaminants. If I'm not aware that God wants me to remain in a state of purity, what happens? I will not be aware when impurity sets in. When impurity enters, we need to understand that holiness is not just what you mount, it's what you actively engage. Are you still with me today? Yeah, it's not just what we speak about, but what we actively engage. What we actively engage. Because we don't want contaminants to come into our lives. So when the Bible talks, you know, today we use fire to kill our enemies. In African Christianity, we use fire to kill our enemies. But the primary purpose of fire of the Holy Ghost is for purification. It's called refiner's fire. Yeah. If you are refined and you can stand in the presence of God, you don't need fire for your enemy. If the will of a man pleases the Lord, what does he do? He makes his enemies to be at peace with him. Yeah. Let's use the fire on ourselves to remove impurities, (laughs) to take the dross from the silver. So you can have a pure metal. Which is what God wants. Every vessel that was used in the Old Testament temple was pure. Pure gold, pure silver, pure everything. That's what God wants. No impurities. And you cannot achieve purity without fire. Yeah. So we sing the song, "Refiner's Fire... My heart' one desire is to be holy before God. That the fire of God will purify my heart. We are too many Christians with defiled consciences. And Instead of allowing the fire of the Holy Spirit to refine my conscience, we want the fire to fall on our enemies. Leave the enemy for God. God is not powerless. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look, look at someone like David, the, the psalmist who says. You, you, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. My cup run it over. Yeah, that's a old Testament saint. New Testament saints are killing their enemy. Most of us say, "I want to chop in the presence of my enemy." <laughs> are you still with me today? Yeah. But that's the person that would say, uh, you know, when David sinned against God, uh, I, 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 you know, uh, what, what was that Psalm of David? wait yeah huh psalm 51 which it, it, it says uh, um, creating me a clean heart O god and renew the right spirit within me and cast me not away from your presence that sounds like an, a new testament saint who understands the gift of access who understands how to be in the presence of god and the value of god's divine presence and values it more than any other thing cast me not away from your presence and renew a right spirit within me. Renew a right spirit within me. Glory be to Jesus. That's that's the mindset that we all need to have. Take impurities out. And as I'm speaking here right now, and I believe God is pointing out impurities to some people here that you need to shut the gate against. You need to trust God for the fire of the Holy Ghost to just, to just refine your heart and your spirit. It's my responsibility, it's your responsibility to remain undefiled, to remain pure, unadulterated. There are thoughts, there are things, there are all kinds of things I want to adulterate my mind, adulterate my spirit. And I need to be able to work against them. It's my responsibility as a believer. Are you still here today? Let me give you another example of what I'm talking about. When Ebola was in town, if I was preaching this message in a place where they didn't know Ebola, I would have to struggle a bit more. But I'm preaching this message in Lagos, Nigeria, where we had experienced Ebola just a few years ago. In this church, we bought hand sanitizers. I was on a trip to the U.S. Pastor you remember? And I got a call that we needed to get hand sanitizers. I got extra baggage. Yeah, like three or four. To load, I think I went went to Walmart and bought uh, these hand sanitizers, the one that that comes with a machine that would dispense. I, the pastor, I was the one that bought it Carried it on my head. <laughs> Almost literally. As in dragging bags and taking in extra luggage to bring this in, here Because we wanted to protect parishioners here. And we put it at the door. As you enter, you do. As you are going, you do. And we didn't have to beg people because of fear of Ebola. Are you getting what I'm saying this morning? Yeah. If you understand you need to keep impurities, contaminants away from your life, nobody should beg you to be undefiled. You have to be on the lookout, on the watch out for it. <laughs> That's how it works. You will sanitize yourself like crazy to keep, you know, Ebola out. It's the same thing. People caught sin and, you know, all kinds of funny things today and they feel like there's no, you know, there's no implication. Yeah. The crazy person is smiling at you, and you know that smile can lead to something else. Take your eyes away like a bowler. Look straight. Yeah. I keep myself undefiled, untainted, unadulterated. Yeah, that's that's how it's supposed to be. That's how we're supposed to watch out for things that can defile our heart. But today we just play with fornication, we play with adultery, we we, we defile the temple. We to awaken our conscience that have been seared with hot iron, according to 1 Timothy chapter 4, you know, there, uh, uh, many people, in verse 2, it says, have their consciences seared with hot iron. They, 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 they don't even feel some things again. The way we're supposed to feel it, there are many believers with bad conscience. The Bible talks about good and bad conscience. Yeah. Many believers with bad conscience. When you go to government offices today, there are many people with big Bibles on their table, but with bad conscience. Because it takes bad conscience for you to rationalize what is not good. To rationalize bribery and corruption as one of those things and as operating system in Nigeria. That's what some people just think, you know, you can't get anything done in this country if you don't play according to the rule. Da, da, da. We, we can't continue like that. Yeah, we can't continue like that. I agree with you, that's what it looks like. But except some of us will say, look, these are contaminants, this is this is. The, the, the devil is trying to adulterate us by getting us into this mode. Then we need to tell ourselves, no. Yeah. It's when you and I start to say no to certain things, no to certain, it comes gradually, then we change the culture. Because if we allow darkness to pervade us, it, it defiles us. The people in darkness, they don't care. That's their life. We are supposed to push darkness back. But when we continue to encourage it, it covers everywhere. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. If somebody visited your house during Ebola and you say, wash your hand, or you stand, I said it doesn't matter. You say, okay, it's time to go. Yeah, like we say in this part of the world, come and be going. <laughs> Just go, go. <laughs> that's, that, that's how you're supposed to treat some people who want to make things that are important to God like things that are not important. Yeah, because it affects your life. Glory be to God. So how do you treat important and sacred things? We are special and sacred to God and we have to treat important and sacred things as important. If you know how to treat important things well, then why do you treat your body and mind and spirit cheaply? Because that's what we do. So, have reverence and honor for God. Can I say this? That the difference between an unbeliever, who is trying to live a moral life, maybe for some reasons, for the benefit of the heads and to be good to his neighbor, <laughs> but for a believer, is in honor of our God, because I'm a temple. That's that's my number one reason and my motive. Yeah. I am not a moralist. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I have to honor the king of kings and the lord of lords with my life. I'm not trying to be good. I'm trying to be presentable to the one who paid the price for my body. Are you still here today? Those are two two different mindsets. Because if if you try to be good and if you can't be good, you know, Sometimes you are good, sometimes you are not good. It's okay. It's different from, I, I, I hold God in honor. That's what the Bible calls the fear of God. But this is not fear as of terror. It's not like you your fear of a snake or lion. No. You know, there's a fear that makes you flee. But there's a reverence that draws you closer and that makes you closer and more acceptable. Just like I don't know about you, but my dad was, 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 was a good person, a honorable man. And when I grew older, when I was younger, we used to run away when he comes. If you hear the sound of his car, everybody, to your tent of Israel. But when we grew older and then we started to develop a relationship, you all know his presence, you don't run away from him. You want to hear his wisdom. You want to hear what he has to say. But you want to behave yourself in his presence. Like they say in my own language, if you know how to wash your hand, you will eat with elders because you can't come to elders to eat with dirty hands they will slap you (laughs) yeah so that's what is the two different things fear of the devil is different from fear of God fear of God is honor and reverence fear of the devil is fear of wickedness I don't know if you understand what I'm saying yeah glory be to Jesus so God wants us to honor him and to, to give reverence. So you, you, you are hosting the king of kings and you must have respect for his presence. So if I say that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit or temple of God, and God dwells in it, the picture is, if you have a good father or you have a honorable person in your life, the chairman of the company that you work in or the president of a nation or something like that, the person is visiting your house, how will the house look like Will you pay attention to the things that you were not paying attention to before? Won't you rearrange your living room? If you have to make some, do some makeshift and make, do some painting, won't you do it? Yeah. That's what... So now imagine that the person lives in that house. You keep it a certain way. Am I saying the truth? You keep it a certain way. Just because you want to honor the one who lives in the house. Are you still with me today? So you are hosting the king of kings. Have respect for his presence. Can you hear me look at your neighbor? Can we say that together? Uh, I want you to just point to your neighbor and say, You are hosting the king of kings. Have respect for his presence. Look at somebody and say, You are hosting the king of kings. Have respect for his presence. We all have to be God inside conscious. God inside conscious. God inside conscious. That's very important. God inside conscious. The God is inside. I'm conscious of it. Just like an important person is in my house, I'm conscious of it. So if I used to just walk around anyhow before, throw my shoes anywhere, my socks in another place, just uh, if somebody important is in the house, you behave yourself. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. The same way. Yeah. You, You behave yourself. So we do not fear God because he will punish us, but because we honor him. Yeah. Because we honor him we honor him, not because he will punish. In the Old Testament, they feared God because he will punish them. If you break the law of Sabbath, for instance, they stone you to death. In the New Testament, Sabbath, Jesus said, is, is for man, not for God, for you to rest. If you choose not to rest, you will be laid to rest. <laughs> Nobody will stone you. You are the one stoning yourself. No, that's the truth. That's how it works in the New Testament. Yeah. But if you understand that God wants you to live long, then you honor him by resting and by taking care of your body. Am I saying the truth? In the Old Testament, everything is with punishment. In the New Testament, we do it, not because of fear of punishment, but but because we want to honor God and and give him the reverence that is due to him. Praise God. Another imperative of uh, um, holiness is consecration. And I'm going to hand on that. Consecration. Consecration. The action of declaring something sacred or set apart. Consecration. The action of declaring something sacred or set apart. So in the Old Testament, the Levites were set apart to serve in the temple and to do God's holy work. In the New Testament, we was set apart to do God's will and to represent his kingdom here on earth. That's what we're set apart to do. So a sense of consecration and our alignment will guide us into every aspect of life. Uh, That that God will, you know, when you live a consecrated life in the New Testament, you're saying that, God, I want you to be my guide. I want to do your will for my life. You cannot live a holy and pleasing life to God except you are consecrated to him. First is purity, second one is consecration. You have to be consecrated to God. You have to be willing to do his will. Are you truly living a life that is set apart for God to use? Or are you doing your own will and expecting God to align? It's impossible, literally, to live a holy life if you want God to align with you and you are not willing to align with God. Consecration, a life of consecration demands that we align with our God. We align with our God. Part of consecration is abstaining from certain things, Because of your conscience? That things that, I mean, that will not permit me this morning to get into stories, like the story of Samson, that God said, I want you to be a Nazarene unto me from the time his mother gave birth to him. And you're not going to touch this, touch that, because I want you to be consecrated to me. Yeah. You're not supposed to, to drink alcohol, don't, you know, cut your hair, don't do this, don't do that. God just said, I want you like this, consecrated to me in the New Testament, there are things that God also wants us to do just to be consecrated to him. Yeah. And consecrated to his will. And a New Testament believer must be willing for the sake of God to walk away from certain things. Because I want to remain consecrated to God. At the Men of Honor conference yesterday, Dr. Victor Mbanisi made reference to a time in his life where he was in, in, involved with rice importation, a great story, rice, rice importation. And he said, the cabal in rice importation, they invited him, and they told him, if you want to be a part of this, we're just giving you an opportunity. This is how we crush the position. This is what you do. You drop your price rapidly. We all, we agree on the tonnage that we're going to sell, <clears throat> you know, and then we will just go to the market, crush our prices, wipe out the rest of the people, and we are the Kaaba. He said he did it like two or three times. But after a while, he realized that this thing is going to destroy his conscience as a believer. And then he went ahead, spoke to his, his, uh, the people who uh, are uh, his partners <coughs> in France, and said, I'm getting out of this business. My life is more important, my conscience and my work with God is more important than money. Yeah. He said they were surprised. They almost fought him to say, No, you can't. He said, I, I mean, you were here yesterday. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. He, he, he said he walked away. He said we're making money, lots of money. But he said, I can't live my life like this. I'm supposed to be consecrated to God, to his will and to his purpose. And anything that would disalign me, I need to walk away from it. Yeah. And some people think when you take such decisions, you will suffer for it. You may suffer for it for a while. You must be willing to suffer something for God. Yeah. That's the truth that we need to tell ourselves as Christians. We think if we take a decision, you won't suffer. Suffer it for God. That's what shows that you are truly consecrated, and are... Jesus suffered to redeem us. Read Isaiah, Isaiah 53. It was, I think verse three, four, and so there. The Bible says he was a man of uh, sorrow, acquainted with grief. Yeah, he was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, and we hid, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. This was we're talking about Christ. This was a prophecy about Jesus. And you, you don't want anybody to hide their face from you. You don't don't want to be despised at all for the sake of the gospel that you stand for. People don't want to suffer anything for God, including losing money and losing opportunities. Not every opportunity is your opportunity. That's how we consecrate ourselves to God. Not every opportunity is my opportunity. I don't want any opportunity that will take me away from God's presence. And will make me to come into disalignment with God. So I we choose our opportunities carefully, carefully, knowing that we're supposed to be in alignment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah, if we truly want to be a priest of our God. Glory be to Jesus. I say glory be to Jesus. So round of today, I need you to understand this warning that disdaining the responsibility of priesthood has consequences. It has consequences. We cannot disdain the responsibility of priesthood, purity, consecration. If we disdain those responsibilities, it has grave consequences. The Bible says, can we continue in sin and say grace should, should, should abound? Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, Say God forbid. So anytime you act outside of the construct of God's word, you get worse, not better. Because you are eroding the power of your conscience. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're eroding it. You're eroding it. So people think that because somebody cheated uh, uh, and then it's now big, is a billionaire, there's no, nothing. Uh, all of us, we escape it. Let's just go. Or uh, uh, somebody, uh, uh, they were in courtship relationship and they were sleeping together regularly. Now, uh, they didn't have to wait for children. They, didn't, they have a good house. Their life is good. Yeah. You know, that's what some young ladies say today. You know, my sister did it. I said when a boyfriend, they, you they, they are not your sister. Yeah. You are not your sister. I need to, to understand that. And you don't even know the state of their life and their conscience. Yeah. Because you don't know what people are dealing with under the clothes. Yeah. And so if the word of God is the word of God, let's live it. Let's live by it. Not use somebody else to say, uh-uh, that guy is still now. Now he has a house in banana. He did, this, Yeah. You may not be that fortunate. Yeah, you may not be that fortunate. I've experienced it before. I'll tell you, confession of a pastor. Yeah, you know me. I, I confess my sins a lot. Yeah. One day, myself and Pastor Timothy here, we were in traffic. Hmm? And we got to a junction where um, um, uh, the, the traffic was not moving at all, and we saw people who were going like this. They face oncoming traffic and quickly turn off. You know, there some junctions where it's just a short distance. You just do like this and turn off. And when you turn off, you are not uh, uh, in, in one way. But if you continue to go straight, you will stand still. So Pastor Tim looked at me I said, PG, why have I been here for so long? <laughs> it's just to do like this and then we... And can I tell you the truth? I'm not exaggerating, over 100 cars have done it. Yeah. But the moment I said, if you want to, the moment you turn like this, the police just stop us. They are right, right on time. Yeah, they are right, right on time. I buried my head in shame. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit was telling me some of you are not meant to do it. Come on now. Because you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So I'm going to catch you if you do it. (laughs) Because that's not your life. Are you still with me today? Yeah. So you, you need to understand that. <laughs> yeah. Other people's options are not your options. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And you live like one. Don't give anybody as an excuse for anything. If somebody did it, they didn't catch him. It's not, if if the, 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 the prince of this world did not catch you, the one in heaven that you are responsible to, he doesn't catch people, but he's always watching. Yeah, And he wants you to do things that will bring you closer, not things that will push you away from him. Lastly today. I'll say a prayer for some people here. I need to look away from this note. My time is gone. I say a prayer for some people here. Zechariah chapter 3 and verse number 3. Put it off for me. Lastly. Zachariah chapter 3 and verse 3. I need to say a prayer. I need to say a prayer. And I'll pray for people who need to give their life to Christ as well. Zachariah chapter 3 and verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with what? Filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him, and to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. Some people in this service this morning, wherever you're watching from, God wants to put rich robes upon you. But he wants, to, he wants to take away the filthy garment. That's what the fire of the Holy Ghost does. It refines our consciences. And then God puts a rich robe upon us. Yeah. Many people stand in the presence of God with filthy garment. Sometimes feel the garment of sin, some other times feel the garment of self-righteousness. Yeah. Feel the garment of self-righteousness. Both. And God says, You can't stand in my presence like that. Yeah. Take away the filthy garment from him. Uh, but there was even a scripture, I think it's before them, where the Bible says that Satan was standing at his right hand. <laughs> That's, I, I wanted to note that so that, yeah. Look at verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Go to, go to verse, one, verse 1. Yeah. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan was standing at his right hand to oppose him. Why? Fill the garment. <laughs> yeah. Fill the garment. I was standing at his right hand to oppose him in the presence of God because of the fear of the garment. Yeah. And then God told the angels, take away the fear of the garment. He said, I put a rich robe upon you and remove the accuser of the brethren from your life. Glory be to Jesus. Can we all stand? Stand this morning. Stand everyone. Stand everyone. Praise God. Praise God.